Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the Delicious Podcast with me, Julie Smith. And this week, I'm thinking ahead to getting the best meat on the Christmas table with vegetarian sheep farmers, husband and wife team, Nick Miller and Sarah Dickens, who are pioneers in carbon-positive, pesticide-free, pasture-fed, compassionate farming. I met them at the Abergavenny Food Festival back in September, where Sarah, also the economics correspondent for BBC Cymru Wales, was chairing the great farmyard debate on the future of veganism. I asked Sarah how their black Welsh mountain lamb, which you'll find on the menus of Otolenghi and Ramayal Scully's London restaurants, are so special. Ours um, are a group of about 400 sheep all in all now, and we've hardly bought any of them in. We've grown this flock from two to the numbers that we've got now. I bought Nick two for his birthday. We then bought another six, and that's all that we have done other than changing the ram every couple of years because obviously you want to, to widen the gene pool. Yeah. So they're, they're special in many ways. They're what we call a closed flock. That means they really know the land. They really have adapted to the land. They know which hedges make them feel better in different ways. Is that self-medicating? Yes. You know, is that that where animals have this ability just to go and get what they want from the land that they're supposed to live on? Yeah, they do. If, and especially if they're um, not messed around with. In other words, you know, the, the breed that we've got, Black Welsh Mountain, they've been like that forever. And they are very natural now what does she mean surely you know what, what's sarah saying well a lot of our sheep have been crossbred to have fatter legs bigger bottoms whatever for supermarkets bred with lots of other different types whereas ours are not only just from our farm but from that land and from that landscape yeah. and they learn so much they know if that bush over there like for instance willow works like a natural wormer and they know when they need it they know that the ash leaves the ash leaves are just beginning to fall now they love them and that is self-medicating they're clever sheep yeah yeah? and that means that you don't have to fill them with antibiotics and it it lessens them the 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 chemical interaction with a natural product exactly the sheer fact that we don't have other sheep that we're buying in bringing in bugs and infections the sheer fact that they've um grown up on that land and they know what to do means that it's really rare for us to go to the vet and get some antibiotics i think this year we've only been once i went i went once this year and the vet wouldn't give me any antibiotics because they said look it's, it's so long since we've seen your sheep you need to bring one in to prove you've still got them really yeah it's, amazing yeah. nick we're at the abergavenny food festival sarah was chairing the debate yesterday uh, about whether farmers should be worried about the rise of veganism now one of the arguments against veganism is soil structure can you explain 
how animals are essential in in your belief. Yeah, I, I think that the rise of veganism is, is is kind of worrying for farmers, but at the same time, it should be a wake up call to farmers because the, the problem with farming is the way that farms are farmed and animals are raised. And a lot of the concerns that people have about the way animals are raised relate to more intensive practices. Now, the way that we raise our sheep is to absolutely minimise the inputs and to work with the soil and the landscape that we have. So we don't buy any fertilisers or any sprays. We don't plough up the land every three years and plant monoculture ryegrass. Um, we've got a sward there that's not been ploughed up probably in the last 500 years. So it's got maybe 30, 40 different species of grass, herbs. It's got sorrel. It's got all kinds of different things in it, which, which provide a much better balance of omega-3 and 6 in the meat uh, when it comes through. But also, it's, it's a much more sustainable way of going about things. Now, what's good about that is when you're not ploughing up the land, you're allowing the soil beneath the land to develop its own structure. Uh, and we're particularly interested in the kind of thinking about mycorrhizal networks. So you know, people talk about the internet of the soil and the idea that we have these fungal networks that can spread for maybe two miles across your land and, and neighbouring land. And they will transport and kind of rectify mineral imbalances because plants know what they want and they can pass the messages on. Yeah. And, 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 and I guess people might not be aware that when a tree um, takes in sunlight and water, it creates all the sugars through its sap, it gives out about 40% of that out of its roots to feed the fungi around its roots yeah. and kind of nourish that, that kind of ecosystem in the soil. Yeah, and that's what people are talking about when they talk about but we've only got 50, 60 years left of topsoil. That's, that's the issue, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and what's really interesting is that DEFRA have just reclassified all the, the land in, in England and Wales. And our farm has just gone from a grade 4B, which is poor land, to a grade 2, um, because by comparison we've got very good soil structures, we've got depth of soil, we've got very low soil losses. And we do everything we can to minimise our soil losses. Yeah. And just to put that into some kind of you know, planet-saving context, it's really important for the, the bees and the butterflies, isn't it? And everything, you know, a whole load of things. I mean, like, for instance, one of the things that we do is we don't collect all the wood that falls you know, from trees and stuff like that um, because that's so important for those tiny, tiny, tiny microorganisms that feed on the next thing, that feed on the next thing for the whole system. And the way that we run the farm is, isn't like, oh, we've got some land and we've got the sheep but it's kind of everything together and you know Nick's dream is to have hares one day but you know we've brought back curlews that weren't there our neighbour asked us how come you've got curlews we haven't it's a bit rude to say to him well it's because of the white powder you put on your grass um, so you know it, it is all part of the way that we think about the land and the sheep are a part of that land and ultimately we hope that that is a better experience for the environment for the sheep and for the people that eat our sheep because that's that's what we care about. I mean, what, what, what's interesting is in the wildlife, yeah, the big things you can see are, are, are really important, but it's the small things as well. And, and one of my favourite kind of adages is that in a healthy field of cows, the weight of the earthworms beneath the soil should be about the same as the weight of the cows grazing the grass. Mm, wow. Now, if you take a soil sample on our farm, you know, the soil is full of earthworms because they've got plenty of um, humus to eat. They're, they're pulling down the dead grass. You know, we don't harrow or anything like that. So they're pulling down the dead grass into the soil and it makes the soil more resilient. It can, it can manage moisture more. We don't have so much runoff. It's a much healthier soil. The other big thing for me in my obsession at the moment is dung beetles. Dung beetles can halve the methane emissions from a farm just by eating the poo that's left on the grass. Now, most farmers, they put a lot of wormers through their animals. It kills off the dung beetles. So, so, so those big cow pats just sit there and they just sit there giving off methane as they decompose through bacteria. Mm. Now, dung beetles will pull that down into the soil and they'll sequester that carbon mm. and store that carbon. Mm. They're, they're brilliant. So we're aiming for our farm to be carbon positive. 
we've 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 put in something like two kilometres of um, fencing to protect the hedges. We've we've restored gappy hedges. Um, we don't cut our hedges on a kind of annual cycle, so they're allowed to grow big. That they're pulling in much more carbon. We'd we'd like to think that we can produce sheep utterly sustainably, and that's our aim. And that's what I find really frustrating about that kind of black and white argument about eat meat or don't eat meat, because um, you know people who think that we shouldn't be eating meat because of the climate will say livestock farming does this. Well, it's just not as simple as that. It depends how you do that livestock farming and there's so many different variations and we can actually find a way to breed lambs and breed cows as well it can be done with cows we just don't do cows ourselves Mm. um in a way that is good for the environment if if you just think a bit more cleverly really yeah yeah so that's a really important point because the the other thing for us we're we're organic but we're also pasture fed so so the animals are only eating grass and hay 90% 90% of that comes from the farm. Occasionally we have to top it up buying in some hay from elsewhere. But there's no cereals, there's no grains, there's no soya going into these animals. And, 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 and the good thing about that is you're not importing nutrients onto the land that shouldn't be there, as well as you know, producing a better product. So that for us is really, really important in terms of our sustainability. And that's also important, is it not, in terms of carbon emissions and the environment, in that, you know, basically when they poo and fart and burp and everything, it's not as toxic. Is that not the case, isn't well, it? Apart from anything else, it's an obscenity to grow soya and feed it to animals. I mean, it's, it, it, you know, there are people starving in the world. We shouldn't be doing that stuff when we don't need to, just to make fat animals that get to market quicker. We, most of our neighbours sell their lambs at 14 to 16 weeks, we sell ours at 14 to 16 months um, because they take longer to develop because they're developing at the right pace. We get a much better product that way. It, it tastes better, it's more tender, it, it hangs better, it's more sustainable. Um, but at the same time, it's much better for the ground. Um, in the fact, we did a mutton tasting yesterday. We had um, mutton from four different sheep, but the same part, a shoulder from four different sheep from four different farms, cooked the same way by Jane Baxter, no seasoning, yeah. and the flavour was all very, very different. And we did it with um, Cyrus Todiweller because he's um, a mutton ambassador and he's also a customer of ours. And he was saying that from a chef's point of view, um, the fat the flavour in the fat will show that pasture-fed tastes so much sweeter and that sort of more acrid fat that some people don't like is when the animals have been fed soya, maize and all that stuff. And, you know, that's going to make you think, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, and, and, I mean, you must learn so much more about how to raise your sheep from the feedback of the chefs. You know, we are living in a world now where there is a genuine communication between the, sh- the farmers and the chefs. Sh- farmers are, are are farming for the table, are they not? And so that communication means that you have much more input. Tell me about mutton. Stay with the mutton story because I'm really yeah. interested in this. We've been talking about mutton. Well, some people have been talking about mutton for a very long time. It's taking a long time mm. to get that message out there. Prince Charles was an ambassador 15 mm. years ago. Uh, it's one of the crucial things about understanding British meat, isn't it? To to eat an older sheep is positively good for the farmer and for the flock. Yeah, because that uh, that sheep has got you know more more experience, but also is is has taken more out of the land in a way and has been more exercised and I mean morally has had a better life. I would say, especially you know if they're brought up properly um and i think one of the things that's really changed is that people have not been thinking about the nutrients going into the animals so much they want that quick piece of lamb or whatever 
I don't really understand when or know when mutton had a bad name. The thing I have noticed is that people presume that you have to cook it long and slow with loads of root vegetables. You know, that's what my yeah. mother would say. Yeah. Talking to Cyrus yesterday, that, no, 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 nothing yeah. wrong, but therefore you were in a hearty cold weather stew mode. Yeah. But Cyrus yesterday was saying that actually if, um, if a mutton is hung long enough, then you can actually cut a slice off it and literally pan fry it for two minutes and eat it virtually rare and it'll be really really soft and the, the, the hanging is absolutely key with mutton um we, we had some mutton yesterday at the tasting that was it was um eight years old it's been hung for three weeks it could be hung for five weeks quite happily but it's a matter of the butcher knowing just when that's ready well i was going to say you know so most of our listeners uh will be thinking okay i'm into sustainability i want to find some mutton where do they go do most butchers sell mutton no most butchers don't and uh in fact i think we were about the only people doing mutton or certainly organic mutton certainly organic pasture-fed mutton a year ago now there's a few more there's not many of us around and if you if you think about it then what most farmers do certainly in this part of wales is most farming's mixed farming so they've got cows and sheep so they get their sheep to market quickly, give them lots of concentrate to get them there. And then the hillsides have less sheep on and they move the cows out of the barns onto the fields. So it'd be very hard for them to do mutton. We can do mutton because we are only a sheep farm and also we keep our animals longer anyway. For us, the secret of actually being able to regularly supply good quality mutton was to find someone who was really good at hanging it. And there's a butcher in Ross who hangs it for us and he's got very good hanging space. It's very dry and that's fantastic so that's really good and so people for instance can buy directly from us right but in the food chain really there aren't many butchers who would want to have it i don't think certainly in this area hanging in in their place all the time because that they don't know people want it do you know what mm, I mean? it needs okay. to catch on so what do you need you know what's your message to delicious listeners delicious readers are already interested in food they're already interested in the issues of sustainability they don't need persuading they just want to know where to get it Online? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we sell online. Um, we can we can courier we courier lamb to London all the time. We courier mutton to London. Um, it's very easy to do. They're the only thing London, is, the only, no, <laughs> no, 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 indeed. But we're not Amazon. You, you can't order it today and have it tomorrow. We need you know we need to we, we like to kill to order, um, and then it's got to go through the hanging process. Yeah. Now we do take some stuff on risk. So at the moment we might have like three or four sheep waiting there that we're we're ready to sell and somebody could have that next week so yeah it's just about understanding what you want and it's, thinking about it and what we'd like to do is build up a regular kind of subscription model right. with people like we do with our chef customers yeah so it's about being organized thinking what do we want in a month's time uh, it, like like everything and in, in order to avoid waste it's just about being organized isn't it or, or just people saying you know we'd be really interested in yours and uh, when you've got some letters no that's the other thing people either have to be organized although you know <laughs> we don't live a very organized life it's very hard to with when you're juggling with sheep but um or people to just say i'd like it sometime and then we keep in touch with them i mean this is an area that we we can develop further though you know because for instance um if people are happy to have frozen meat which i think people are more now because they're going to stick it in the freezer anyway that is an area that we can develop more but the the challenge i suppose is is getting it to people and at the moment in this country there aren't enough people running around with vans from small producers like us Thanks for listening to the Delicious Podcast. You can subscribe via your podcast app or find it every week as well as the full back catalogue at deliciousmagazine.co.uk slash stories slash podcasts. Next week, we've got a festive December episode with Copenhagen Queen Trina Hahnemann. 
Bronte Orell on her Scandi kitchen and gastro gift ideas from Leith's Cookery School. I'll see you then. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.